0: Welcome to episode 2 of Lady and the Tramp Dog Whispering with Trish Mitchell, the dog magician, and myself, Andy Lee, Dog Man Down Under. Trish is the lady, and I'm the tramp. I dispute that though. The pair of us will be talking about your special relationship with your animals and dogs in particular. In our first launch episode, Trish told you how she became a dog whisperer. Today it's my turn. Hello. I started learning about dogs nine months before I was born. My mum worked all her life from 15 years old in Greyhound kennels. So right from the start of her pregnancy, most of my waking life, or her waking life, most of my time in the in the womb, was spent listening to dogs, listening to my mum talking to dogs, listening to her talking to other people about dogs, feeling her touching dogs. I had two aunts that worked all their life in greyhound kennels, so she'd be talking to them about dogs. My stepdad was a greyhound trainer, one of my uncles was a greyhound trainer. One of my uncles was a police dog handler. And when I was born, my first memory is before I was two years old, stroking the Alsatian next door through the fence. Wonder if I didn't get bit, come to think of it, <laughs> just going up randomly stroking dogs. <laughs> And I grew up on a I'm gonna start this again. I lost track. Keep going, I it out Okay. I grew up I was born and grew up on a large council estate in England, in Kent. And it was in those days uh, it was a great place to live. And there was dogs they were called stray dogs. That wandered around, but they weren't really strays. They had a home, and they went. They just got turned out for the day. So you always saw dogs around, and most of my my life was spent at the Greyhound kennels with my mum on holidays and things like that. When I was about seven years old, I started trying to train our family dog, a We was a <laughs> we was the inspiration for Cavadoodles. What was that? Uh, That'd be 50 odd years ago. (laughs) So it's not a new thing, but that was, one was a mistake. And I wasn't very good at it. (laughs) I could get her to sit. I had a terrible job trying to get her to lay down. (laughs) I could get her to sit, but I couldn't get her to stay there. So it took me another 13 years no, about another 10 years before I realised sit-stay obedience wasn't for me, but I was brilliant with dogs. In they just being, they liked me, I could get them to behave, follow me. And when I became 13, I discovered Jack Russell hunting with rabbits. So from then on, I used to borrow rabbits with my friend Paul not rabbits but <laughs> Jack Russells and a couple of muggles and we used to go off rabbit hunting in them days you had a lot more freedom and people lent you their dogs for the state they was glad to give them to someone to take out and get some of their energy out of them and that was a good grounding for learning about aggressive dogs because there's no dog more aggressive than a Jack Russell and how to stop them fighting and break up fights because they're most of the time they were pain in the ass, but they're brilliant dogs. They're intelligent. And as I was, I wasn't a dog maniac. You know, nothing else but dogs. I was always liked lots of things. I wanted to be. I done a part time a year as apprentice carpenter. I wanted to get a trade because that was the way the money was. Because I wanted a house. And then I did a plumber one year. I could never stick to anything. I did a, oh, all sorts, worked in all sorts. But in between those, I'd be working in the kennels, which was the greyhound kennels. I wanted to be the best greyhound kennel trainer in the world. I wanted to be the best police dog handler in the world. I wanted to train Lassie and be well, have a <laughs> have that life. And I was fascinated with herding dogs and shepherds. When I was thirteen years old my dad took me to the to the Lake District for holiday. We're driving along. I spotted a shepherd way down in the field with his two collies. I said, Dale, stop a minute, stop a minute. And he stopped. I said, oh, I wanna see that shepherd. I didn't tell him what I was gonna do. <laughs> he stopped. I jumped out, I jumped the fence, ran across all the fields <laughs> and went up to him and asked him what he was doing and about his dogs <laughs> and I that wasn't, I've always done that. Back at home, it was on flat land, but these were, these were the real deal, you know, his collies. And I found, apart from it, <laughs> they loved it. If you go to a shepherd if, as a child and talk about their dogs, they love talking to you. This strange kid that come running across the field. But by the time I got there, his dogs had run off and they just disappeared over the hills. And if you don't know the Lake District, it's sheep hunting country, but it's mountains. It's really vast. And they just disappeared out of sight. And I was talking to him and asking him what he was doing, how he trained his dogs. And we're walking a long way, we're talking. And he'd, said he'd sent them out to collect the sheep up over the mountains, because he was gonna put them in this, this little paddock down, uh, way over the other fields, uh, for dipping. And we're walking along, I said, well, how are they going to f- know where to go? And he said, oh, they just know. And he said, I just want them to do something. I've just come out and we're going dipping. And for some, he said, I don't know how they know, but they know to bring the sheep over to that, that paddock for, for dipping. And after a little while, he starts seeing sheep appearing, a few at a time. Where they were collecting these, and you start seeing them coming down the mountains, and I didn't see to get to see the rest of it because uh, I look back and my dad's waving frantically as I'm getting further and further away, so I had to go back. And but that's part of what I was like. I was interested in every dog, gun dogs. I wanted to be have a gun dog. I wanted a Labrador, go out wildfowling and have my dog at the middle of the night. And I ended up most of my life working in kennels, working in the building industry and at one time in my life I was a bit of a rebel and I had to leave leave home when I was 17 because I was an absolute pain in the arse, as you are, well some people are, I was, I was obnoxious and and not very nice and my mum wouldn't have thrown me out but my stepdad said he's got to go because I was awful. I I regret those days but I don't regret them because that's part of what I was and it made me better when I was later that I realised how bad I was. (laughs) So I might have got bad when I was 40. That would have been worse, wouldn't it? So I ended up going to work in a... Greyhound Complex, the biggest one in Great Britain. It was a big farm, many fields, and they had the greyhounds there in kennels for three different tracks. And there was about 700 greyhounds there. And that's where I met my wife. And that was a great experience there because I got to see how other people treated greyhounds, how they trained them. And when I left there, We then got our own council flat, and I was able to get, for the first time in my life, my first dog when I was 18. And I got a Jack Russell, about two years old, from a rescue. And he had a black mark right round his neck from being chained all his life. And he was a stocky Jack Russell, full of himself, never had any rules, never had any Any contact with humans at all and I brought him home and I was overjoyed and he slept with me that night in the bed middle of the night I rolled over and he nearly took my face off his snap just scraped my cheek (laughs) and he never did that again because I told him off so badly from then on I was his god he was so loyal to me. He went on to bite quite a few people. And it, <laughs> and <laughs> it's because I wasn't perfect <laughs> with my dogs. You don't get perfect, you make mistakes. And people were more tolerant then as well. They got bitten and they just had a moan about it or they reached in the car window and got bitten and they realized it was their fault, which it wasn't really, I should have kept the windows up. Uh, and he had a hard bite too but he went on to be he wouldn't eat until I came home if Lynn (laughs) we used to wrestle if I started wrestling with Lynn she'd go and start biting her feet so that devoted to me and then I started collecting dogs because I like dogs and I wanted a pack of dogs so for 40 odd years I've kept 4 to 7 dogs as a pack all the time and hunted with them. Because hunting, going out hunting with my dogs without a gun is primitive to me. It's in my blood, it's in my DNA. I'm out with my dogs. The world doesn't exist, only nature exists. The traffic background, I don't hear. Well, I hear it, but it's not in there with me in that moment. And it's just myself and my pack of dogs and I'm their leader and i just enjoy that it's it's i can't explain it it's a it's a bit like some people play rugby because they're warriors in their ancestry they're warriors and that comes out some people bake because they're they're homemakers or garden because they're in their ancestry in their dna it comes out they're agricultural minded and i was just that hunter-minded with dogs and collecting with them so i spent hundreds of nights alone hunting with my dogs at night and i've seen things other people will never see and i've spent thousands and thousands and thousands of days hunting with my dogs walking in the countryside alone or with my best friend paul and he was quiet so i've learned to be quiet by the time i was 25 i knew everything about dogs and I was walking along one day out looking for somewhere to go poaching with with my dogs across the field and a pack of beagles came in the distance I heard this cry 60 beagles coming towards me and they came right past me in full cry hunting a hare and went on and then these people in the rear who were the huntsmen I didn't know at the time and they come running by, puffing away, trying to keep up with them. And I was hooked because that cry just gave me the tingles of these 60 beagles in full cry. And I ended up getting involved with them for 11 years as a helper, an amateur, always down the kennels, as well as hunting my own pack and looking after them, as well as working in greyhound kennels. You had a lot of energy that time. But that was that was when I found out I didn't know everything, because those beagles were better behaved than my dogs, even though they would run miles away, they would come back and they'd let them out of the horse box at the pub, they'd stand around at the pub, no leads, and I learnt then, that started me learning how to be quieter and not your regular, sit, stay, come here, do that. Good boy, good girl. Yeah, I had to be quiet with beagles because they couldn't hear you. So I started connecting with them and I ended up as a professional hunt kennelman, looking after them full time on my own, taking them from walks on my own, taking them out hunting on my own. Although you have a few people come out and watch you and with you, but you had to hunt them. So I started connecting with dogs a lot better in a quieter way. And then I come to Australia intending to open a greyhound kennels and be a greyhound trainer but i didn't like what they did in australia with their greyhound racing it wasn't ethical to what i'd been brought up with and what i was doing they they have too many dogs racing so it's not safe they also all they talk about is kills liveness they call it which is a disaster disaster for greyhounds chasing the dummy if you start letting them chase the real thing they soon lose interest in the dummy so it, they, they just haven't the knowledge passed down from generation to generation to generation how to do it and I, I just couldn't get involved with that so I just kept my own pack worked in the building went along I had foxhounds beagles cattle dog and then about 11 years ago my son was always saying to me you should go out and help people and I said no because I was always complaining about the dog trainers on TV saying they were idiots and I I said no, people won't do it and then I saw someone (laughs) have their car washed come out to their house to have their car washed I thought well I'll try it so I got into going to help people with their pet dogs which is a passion of mine because they're not getting the memories, the good memories of the pet dogs they are they used to get. And I I choose only to go to people's homes because that's where everything is. And I don't believe you can be a good behaviour trainer at people's homes at in your twenties. I would have been useless. I wouldn't have been useless, but I would have given a few tips, but nowhere near like I am now. And I've never been obsessed with dogs, nothing else in my life. I've always had a rounded life. I liked sport, I liked everything, but dogs were always there, constant, forever. That was my hobby, that was my passion, but everything else was interesting, interesting to me. I wanted to be the best goalkeeper in the world. I wanted the best, best carpenter in the world. Whatever I did, I wanted to be the best in the world. And I also like people. I always talk to old people and hear their stories. And I think you've got to be really like people and liked, interested in ha- their lives to be a good behavior trainer in people's homes. You can't do it if you can't, if you don't like children, if you don't like people and you don't like listening to them adapt to how they are You can't be a good dog trainer. And that's why I think Trish is one of the best, even though she's had a shorter experience than me, she's the best I've met doing what we do in, in all of them that I've seen. And she's the only one that I'd ever recommend to anyone because the others just haven't got that connection, and that's life experience. And if they've got the life experiences, their life experiences are just focused on dogs. You've got to have that all-round ability. So that's me, and you can send us and contact us and ask us questions. So that'll do for now, and I'll talk to you with Trish next time, and we'll have a good chat about dogs.